We thank you for 21 days of your faithfulness. You, when we began this, we never knew that we'd get to this point. Amen. But you did it all. To you be all the praise and glory. Amen. You have not left us without your word. You have not left us without salvation of souls. You have not left us without miracle signs and wonders. You have not left us without transformations of destinies and life. Lord, we give you thanks and glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you again and again. Be glorified forever. Today we celebrate you. Yes, Lord. Yahweh, we exalt you. Yes, Lord. Jesus, we bless you. Holy Spirit, we worship you. Yes, Lord. Our Father, we glorify you. Yes, we welcome you to our midst today. We ask that Jesus alone be glorified. Let no flesh glory in itself. This last day, give us a glorious last day package. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. It's a great joy. I welcome everyone joining in and those who will join in to the last day of this great feast. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, he said, on the last day, the great day of the feast, he said, everyone who, who's hungry, who's thirsty, come, praise God. This is the last day of this great feast and we give God all the praise. 21 days gone, this is the 22nd day, the last day, and the 22nd day of our fast this month of July. We give God all the praise and glory. God has not left us without revelation. He has not left us without insight. He has not left us without miracle signs and wonders. Above all, he has not left us without salvation of souls. We give him all the praise and glory forever. We thank God. We thank God. We appreciate him. We glorify him. He's been a Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful month. It's been a glorious, glorious, glorious month. A time of great refreshing. But the privilege of God's grace throughout this month. Uh, the Lord empowered me to be preaching on seven times every week. Seven times every week. It was wonderful. It was awesome. And there was never a time where there was a lack of revelation. It kept flowing. It kept flowing. And despite the fact that I have to go about school runs, I have to go about daily chores. Yet the Lord kept giving revelation. We thank Him for that. We thank Him for that. We give Him all the praise and glory. We want to appreciate everyone who has been joining me. We say the good Lord bless you. Amen to Jesus. I want to say God bless you for joining me. I want to make you understand that what you have received, the deposits you have received, they will speak beyond time can explain. Amen to Jesus. We're excited about what God is going to give to us today. It's been awesome. This meeting began in a level and is ending in a level. It began in a particular flow and is ending in a particular flow. The same thing happened in our April meeting. It began in a particular flow and it ended in a particular flow. In our April meeting, we began in a flow and we ended in the in the glorious mega church flow. And this meeting is ending in a, it began in the flow of perfection. It's ending in the flow of how to make perfection a reality. And that's a revelation of faith. Amen to Jesus. I'm so excited about what God is going to do today. If you are with me there, you can pick up your Bibles if you have some. You can um, you can take a pen and a jotter if you have some. But the privilege of God's grace, our teaching notes are also uh, made available for you. Um, you can also download these teachings from our Facebook or go to our podcast chat um, um, online radio, um, Grace Life Komi. Um, we have it on Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, Google Podcast. You can download a lot of teachings. Even these teachings, you can download them. Amen to Jesus. Alright, let's go to the Word of God quickly. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Today, you know, we have been studying the speed of just men in perfect. In this Prayer meetings, I cannot finish this teaching. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be doing subsequent teachings on this spirit of just the made perfect heroes of faith. And um, um, so when we do them, they will be published on the Facebook channel. You can look up for them and on our um, online podcast radio. You can look up for them and continue learning the events. But I'm going to be stop where.
this meeting will permit us to stop. Amen to Jesus. Today, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be studying still on um, the person of Moses. Amen. We started off with Moses yesterday, but actually the study was on pre-Moses, the parents of Moses. Amen. And now we're going to be delving into Moses, but still we still touched into on the parents of Moses, pre-Moses. They did a great job. Amen to Jesus. All right, today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I titled this teaching, Refuse Royalty by Faith. Refuse Royalty by Faith. You can also tag, tag it, Refuse Physical Security by Faith. Refuse physical security by faith. Refuse royalty and physical security by what? By faith. Amen to Jesus. Now from our previous lesson we learned that Moses was sustained because of his parents, that is the mother precisely, who saw him as a goodly and proper child. And due to this, they were not afraid of the decree of the king. We learned that yesterday. It was awesome. If you didn't watch yesterday's teaching, you can go ahead and get it. Amen. Now, she gave birth to and sustained Moses. She didn't kill him. Rather, she gave birth to him and she sustained him. Um, she didn't obey the king's order of if you give birth to the child, if the child is already alive, throw the child in the Nile. She didn't obey the king's order. Rather, she sustained the child, she gave birth to him and she sustained him. And she did this despite the heavy risks attached to her actions. Amen to Jesus. Life is filled with risks. Greatness comes with risk. Greatness comes. They say the greater the risk, the greater the risk. So greatness comes with the risks. If you're not ready to take Greeks, you're not ready to be great. Now, what the people of the world call Greeks is what we call faith in the kingdom of God. I get what I'm saying. Greatness in the kingdom of God comes by faith. Amen. Now, she saw a great future for her son by merely seeing his looks. We learned that yesterday. And this prepared her faith towards secure his life. She saw his looks and she would look into his spirit and into his future and then prepare her faith to secure his life. Now people who actually um, can see into the future of people, they actually are prepared by faith to secure the future for such kind of people. Amen to Jesus. I remember there was a woman who was telling this story about a particular young man. He wanted to go into uh, a particular business line and there was this um, elderly man who believed in him. He saw into his future. He gave him capital, about two million naira there. The guys entered into the business and the whole money disappeared. The guy was afraid. He couldn't come back to report to the elderly man. The other man called him and said, How far? He, when the elderly man called him, he didn't want to even call him. The man said, I said, You should call. He came and he said, How far? He was jittering, shaking, shivering. The man said, How far? He must have called him to say, The money, I lost it in the business. The man said, all right, no problem. He gave him another two million again. He went again and invested into the same business and he lost it. This time around, he said, I'm dead. If this man, this man should never look for me at all. If he looks for me, I'll enter the oblivion. And the man knew what he was to expect. So the other man called him again. He said, it's not going. The other man pressured on him, pressed on him to come. And he came. When he came, he said, what? How far? And he began. Sir, don't just ask me. He's like, you have money to be wasted. Don't waste money on people like me. I lost it again. And the man gave him another two million. Go and do it. This time, when he went, he succeeded in the business. Why would the man invest six million in an individual? Why? He's so beyond the outward of this boy. Is sowing to the future and the potentials of this boy. We live in a generation where people no longer see potentials. They only see opportunity to 
take advantage of people. That's the generation we live in. So instead of you developing another person, instead of you seeing the potentials of this person and building, developing to succeed, you rather want to use him to fund your own existing establishment. And that's a problem we have in this generation. Amen. And that's why like our true success is not actually being revealed. Because your real success is in your ability to make another person successful. That's true success. Praise God forevermore. I don't want to stay on that this morning. Amen. Now, without the faith of Moses, mother, a great man of faith like Moses will not have been lost at birth or after birth. This is why Moses' parents were heroes of faith. I know what I'm saying. And this is what the cry of God is for these times. Don't waste more destinies. Don't waste more destinies. There are destinies that you can produce and will become greater than you. Don't waste them. Invest into them. Take the risk of investing into them. Maybe risk you don't take the risks. Praise God forevermore. Now, when Moses became three months of age, his mother knew that she could not, she could not hide him anymore because of his loud cries. The cries had become louder. Praise God. Which put her and her family at risk. Initially, the faith that was prevailed in her they made her not afraid of the king's decree. And it did make her see the risk that she was putting, uh, the parents were putting the other children out. Now that's the way faith operates initially. It's just like when people operate that face all the time, you wonder whether they are normal human beings. But it looks like they are only thinking of themselves. Usually they say successful people are selfish people. When they are embarking on some project, they say they are selfish. No, it's not like they are selfish. It's just that what opportunities does to a man is that it blinds him to the risk it can cause to others. It's later on, his eyes start getting open to the things that can cause to others. So when you see people who are just running with focus and vision, actually like somebody said a while ago, he said vision makes blind. When it looks like they are blind to every other person, they are only blind to the vision, don't call them names. Usually visionaries and visionary people are always taking to be selfish people. An initial point of their vision. Why? Because their vision propels them to put everybody around them at risk. Moses' parents put themselves at risk. They put Moses at risk. They put Aaron at risk. They put Miriam at risk. They put their neighbors at risk. They put you. They put both the family and the neighborhood at risk because of the greatness the parents saw in the child. So what greatness talks for men who can recognize is that it makes them put themselves, their family, and their society at risk at the nation point. So don't blame them. That's what greatness does. That's what greatness does. It's better on the study. I like that. It's better on the study. After a while, I started operating the wisdom. The operating the wisdom is that man, they have put a lot of people at risk. <laughs> And later on, they're not achieving their goal, then they're not really understanding that, oh man, I really took very poor tricks trying to achieve this goal. Now I have to start piping low on some of my measures that puts many at risk. Praise God for my That's why if you see, some, if you see um, many great men, there are some things they did at the initial stage of their life, they're not doing now. They're not doing now. Because they're not doing it now, it's time to destroy themselves or destroy their, their, their family or their immediate community. I get what I'm saying. But when they are starting it all, don't blame them. It's greatness that is crying. Greatness that is firing them and propelling them. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Now, so she, 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 
she could not hide him again. Yet, she still chose not to kill him. This decision is a very serious decision. I can't hide him, but I won't kill him. <laughs> those people, those, that, that woman was a weird woman, if you now tell me, what a weird woman. Now, first, the midwives are to kill. They did not kill. Now, Pharaoh says, throw them away in the Nile. Midwives say, we won't throw it away. Mothers go and throw it away. I believe there are some mothers who actually did their children like this. One, two, three, go into the Nile. All for the fear of the king. Let my child die so I can leave. Let the crocodiles have them for lunch. But Moses' mother said, I can't kill him. Now, I am at risk. He was quiet before, he was a baby and I could manage it. Now he's talking here, he's crying loud. Yes, I cannot keep him again, but I will not still kill him. He will not die by my hand. She can be, what up, she can be compared to the woman who, because of family, they both decided that they will eat one's child. And the other one said, we cannot be eating my child, tomorrow we eat your child. And the first one has said, why didn't you allow your neighbor to first kill a child? Moses' mother said, if, if I thought this shall be die, he will not die by my hands. This destiny will not die by my hands. I gave birth to this. This cannot die by my hands. I think you saying. So instead of what? Killing him. She chose not to kill him. Her decision was, at most, I will live his life in the hands of God, instead of killing him. If I will at most live his life in the hands of God. God, I've gone to a point where I cannot, I cannot not touch this child again. I've gone to a point where I cannot take care of this child. The more I keep him with me, the more I put myself, my other children, and my community, my neighborhood at risk. Lord, I'm in a point where I cannot help myself, but yet I will not help myself by killing this child. I will leave you in your hands. And you know what? This act was a way of giving out Moses for adoption. Yes. <laughs> she was liking to Hannah. Hannah said, Lord, give me a man child. And I will give him to you. I will allow you to adopt him. I will give him out to you for you to adopt him. Hannah made her own um, vow with God and God honored her vow. Honored his she honored her father and gave it to God. She gave Samuel out for adoption when he was totally weakened. That was her decision and there was no propelling force. There was no risk attached to her decision. You cannot say that. But the mother of Moses, her decision was propelled by risk. She thought and said, no, I cannot keep this child any longer. The more I keep him, the more I put my community at risk. Initially, I was walking without the understanding of risks because greatness blinds you to risks. But I've come to a point where people, my neighbors, are beginning to shout, Mama Moses, do you want to kill us? Don't you know that if the soldiers of Pharaoh come, it's not being you and your children that will kill you. They will also kill us for, 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 for conniving with you. They will call us, they will, they will charge us for aiding and abating. Mama Moses, we don't want to be charged for aiding and abating. And when they were pressuring her, the mother of Moses will sit down 
said, Lord, show me your way. Lord, I cannot throw this child in the night. Lord, I cannot kill this great future. Lord, help me. Lord, show me the way. My neighbors are pressing on me. My children are beginning to complain. Lord, show me the way. And the Lord made them understand, you don't need to kill him. Adopt him. Give him out for adoption. <laughs> and that's why God has killed their babies. They don't understand that if they have the revelation of Moses' mother, they will not kill their babies. They will give up the baby for adoption. Similarly, if her situation is worse than yours, her life was at risk, the baby's life was at risk. The reason why you give the baby's life for adoption is not because you say the baby's life is at risk. Who will take care of the baby? It's not the baby's life is at risk. You, you can hustle for yourself. Your life is not at risk. But now Moses told her life. A husband's life, her children's life, Miriam and Aaron, and the neighborhood. Their lives were all at risk because of one baby. Some of our women, some of the neighbors that came at the same time with her, they said, Mama, what is your problem? We, we have thrown our babies into the 19th We have thrown our babies into the 19th What are you still keeping this baby for? Is your only that love your baby? In, are you the only one that loves your different kind of, Are you the only one that loves your baby? Oh, so you mean that we that trade away our babies, we don't love our babies, are we? It's only you that is in loving one. And yet we fool with plenty nonsense. Loving, you are the only loving one that. If, if the king soldiers come here by mistake, I will make sure that they don't. Um, they will kill you, you they will kill you. You that they want them, they will not kill this baby, you they will kill you. You don't put us in trouble. Her ears were full. They were full. But the woman said, No, I will not kill this baby. And God said, There is a wisdom. What is the wisdom? Said, I give out this baby for adoption. Although she did not know what his fate would be at the river. Look at something here. Some people say, Kill the baby. After all, if you give the baby out for adoption, you don't know the fate of the baby. What if you mistreat the child? You are, your question is similar to the action of Moses' mother. They said, throw the babies in the man. Moses' mother said, no, I will use the same man, but I will not throw the baby inside. <laughs> you say, what if you do adoption and you keep, but you didn't kill the baby with your hand? Let it be said that you did a, a, an honorable act by giving out the baby. You don't know the fate of the baby, but you did not kill the fate of the baby. Sow a basket and keep my own inside. Let me be sure that my he was safe by my hands. Anything that happens with no problem, but by my hands he was safe. But by the more other mothers, by their hands, their children were thrown into the crocodiles. So it's the same situation, but there is more honor in her home. You know what I'm saying? She didn't know what his fate would be at the river. At least she did not kill him. Although she didn't know what his way to be at the river, at least she did not what? Kill him. This was why she sent his sister to watch him from a distance. There was still this law pumping in her. This goodness. I, I, I don't know what to do, Lord. But I will kill him. Watch him, watch him. Let's see what we take him. Let me even know if he died, let me know how he died. At least let me know how he died. If he doesn't know that, let me know. But let me know that I kept him safe. I didn't just fling him into the river with the reckless abandon. <laughs> Although Moses' mother had to go 
to the peak of her faith to secure and nurture her baby, she still did not throw in the towel helplessly by killing her baby. She still tried to take another step of faith, which was risky to entrust her baby's life in God's hand. She had gone to the peak of her faith, but at the peak of her faith, she didn't trade the toil. Her faith was exhausted at that point, but she said, even in the exhaustion of my faith, I will still take one more step. I will kill this baby. I will entrust him in the hands of God. I will trust his life in the hand of God. Let me tell you something, child of God. When you are dealing with visions, there comes to a point where your faith looks like it at his zenith, it at his peak. At that point, you don't kill the vision. At that point, you don't turn it away. At that point, you entrust the vision in the hand of God. <laughs> Look at Exodus 2, verse 3 to 4. It says, And when she could no longer hide him, she was exhausted on her options. She took for him an ark of bulrushes and dumped it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flats by the river prince. And his sister stood afar off to wait what would be done to him. When your faith is at its peak, when it looks like you have run out of option, still do not kill the baby. Don't still kill the vision. Don't still kill the child. There is still an option to not kill the child. Don't throw in the toil. There's still an option. When the devil pressed us, he finished left, right, and center. He came into ministry here. And several people just came around us, showing us if they loved us. But not knowing that what they were coming for was an ulterior motive. They were coming to just take money. And they came around and came around and they looked as though they loved us. But all of a sudden, when they started seeing that we were focused on teaching the word of God, not, not funding the lost of people, one after the other, they began to go away. Say, these ones are not here to come and do and share, share the money. They are here to teach the word. They started going away one after the other. And then there was one who was kind of somebody we, we, we gave some level of respect, thinking that he was somebody to be well respected. And we entered into a chronic level of discipleship and he stopped coming to church. And he told us to change the service schedule. And we said, no, the Lord has told us to do this. We won't change it. And he got angry. And he started sending threats to us. And then the few young chaps who were remaining in church, he started threatening them. And he actually told them that they are his problem because he gave us this information. And finally, he used it. He weathered his influence of threat over them as popularly known in the environment that he's a terrible person. Even though we showed him love, he traded his threat of influence, over, uh, influence of threat over them, and they left church. Their idea was when, they, when we all leave church, they will close down the church. In fact, they started sending rumors around that we are actually left. I, had some, I was talking to somebody about it, I said, uh, uh, How are you? Uh, uh, are you uh, I, I thought you were no longer there. I said, What do you do? We are still here preaching. We are still here preaching. Somebody asked Pastor, she asked my wife, she said, Are you still in, in, this, in the country? We said, Yes. And she asked Pastor, Are you still in the country? So they said, Send me more than we are left. Because they said, if, if, we, if we empty the church, the kingpin, the man who was in church, said, If we empty the church, they will close the church or they will come and beg us. But you know what? When they got us to the point where it looked like our faith was what? At his peak. They noticed that instead of us training the tower, we handed over the vision to God. And God began to open our eyes to opportunities. By the grace of God, the impact of 
this ministry is bigger than what could have been getting if we had all those people sitting here wasting our time for us. We actually wasting my time, wasting my energies. Because I preach, I teach, they don't understand. I preach, they don't understand. They come with their empty heads, they go with empty heads. But their pressure opened up to better opportunities. Better opportunities. 90% of our listeners are in the US. We have people listening from the island, from the UK, from African nations, soaking into the stitches. We opened another uh, opportunity again to publish our teaching, and people are already rushing, already rushing, soaking into the teachings. If we didn't open ourselves to the possibilities of the, of the Almighty, we should have killed the baby like other women killed their baby. But Moses' mother, in the pressure, she opened herself to the possibilities of the Almighty. Funny enough, she still used the same river nine. The same river nine that killed other babies floated her baby to prosperity. <laughs> the same river nine that killed other babies floated her baby to royalty. And this came because when she was at the peak of her faith, she chose not to seek his baby. Believe you me, the same auditorium we are using that they thought we killed our vision when all of them left and when the, the man in question was talking all of them and getting them out of church. The same auditorium that they thought we killed our vision is the same auditorium that is floating our ministry to prosperity. People in the nations of the earth are getting blessed. The same auditorium. Child of God, wake up. Don't kill that baby. I don't know why God is saying this over and again. Don't kill that baby, but I don't want to say that. Amen to Jesus. Her faith-based decision to not kill her son was rewarded greatly by God. God did this by making the daughter of Pharaoh adopt who her father sought to kill. Hey! God made the daughter of Pharaoh adopt who her father wanted to kill. In other words, God made the daughter of Pharaoh disobey her father and unknowingly obey God. Why you choose not to kill the baby? The Bible says, when a man's will pleases the Lord, he will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. When you choose not to kill the baby, God will even use your enemy to nurture the baby. <laughs> the people of the world for me. I'm talking from experience. That's why they cannot understand us in this mission field. In our previous mission field, they could not understand. A, 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 a gentleman came with me and said, this person that is fighting for you is not body gain. He's a diabolic person. He showed me the person, showed us what person's WhatsApp uh, status. Say, look at what is in his status. He's not body gain. And we looked at him and I was like, what is your problem? God uses the enemy to fight the enemy for me. And that was what God did. When He raised up who? Cyrus, a neck cutting hidden king, and said, Cyrus said, I will give up the resources, go and build it. Why? Because Zerubbabel said, I will build this thing, and God told Zerubbabel, Thy hands have laid the foundation, and thy hands shall finish it. Who is that mountain that standeth before Zerubbabel? It shall become a plain, not by power, not by 
raise. Where your mind level raise, what do you do? You migrate from power and mind level to spirit level. That was what the mother of Moses did. Power trait, mind trait. She said, I need to enter spirit level. And the same river that killed the children of her, of her, of her neighbors was the same river that floated her soul to prosperity. The same king who sought to kill her son had her son live in his house and had his daughter disobey. Don't kill that baby. Don't kill that baby. That's the message of his soul. You <laughs> look at Exodus 22, verse 5 to 10. I'll run, reach it quickly. It says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark, what propelled, what attracted attention to the ark? Among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews. She knew. She knew her father giving a decree that the Hebrew children should be killed. She saw the child and said, This one does not resemble us. But when the vision is not killed, it makes the enemy of the vision to not join it. That is why we are not taking the water. That is why even the enemies of our visions and even help us not our vision. They gave us so much publicity in location that they were not there that they were publicizing us. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. Shall I go and call the nurse of the Hebrew men that she may lose the child for him? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! And the men went and called the child's mother, Yalikua. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, not for you, for me. That means I have adopted the child. Matua Kata, the mother of Moses, gave Moses for adoption by the leading of the spirits. It was a strategic adoption process. Take care of it for me. I have adopted it. No legal procedure. The king, the king's daughter is talking here. Protocol is broken. I have adopted it. And I'm not saying that I could preach on this for long, but I don't have time. Says that I will give thee thy wages. <laughs> and the woman took the child. That why will she not take it? And God has given me back my child again. And not just giving me back my child again, he's paying me for giving me my child. What? Because I didn't give my child. I don't know what I'm speaking to here. When I'm talking about child, I'm talking about biological children, I'm talking about visions. Don't kill that vision. Soon, God will reward you for nurturing your own vision. Mm. Don't kill that baby. Soon God will reward you for not showing that baby. So the child grew and she brought him onto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. <laughs> and she called his name Moses and she said, Because I drew him out of water. The same person that was meant to kill the baby became the mother of the baby. <laughs> but right when she saw the Hebrew church, she would say, Did you not throw this one into the night? Let me throw him into the night. Let me kill him for them. See, Moses escaped death by the hands of the midwives, which they feared God that they didn't do. His mother refused to throw him into the Nile. Number two, escape of death. Number three, the, the, if the daughter of Pharaoh would have, would have strangled him. Would have, imagine she doesn't even strangle him. She tells, she called, tells them, call a soldier. Let me say, I, I don't want to see 
blood. Let the soldier kill him and throw him away. The, the doctor of Pharaoh would have killed him. But once again, this child escaped death. That even his enemy took care of him. If he escaped the midwives and he escaped his mother's hand and he escaped the crocodiles in the Nile, the final person to kill him had come. But even the final person to kill him doctored on him. By lack of toi. When you nurture the vision, when you refuse to kill the vision, God will use the most terrible situation in the vision to secure the vision. The most when they left us in all of them left each other, they said this is the most terrible situation, this is the worst that can happen to them. That was the starting point of our ministry. That was what God used to nurture me. The reason why you are watching me, you are getting blessed, is because they all left me in church. Yes. That was the Pharaoh's total that hit my vision in this nation. <laughs> and that was what nurtured my vision so that you can be blessed. <laughs> the president just makes us understand that Moses was weaned and trained by his own parents. During this period of training, he was taught that he is a Jew. See, God gave him the opportunity of learning history again. I cannot say because greatness was crying. He was taught about his God and the God of his people, who is the one true and living God called Yahweh. This was what we were teaching him. He was taught about his forefathers, the faith and practices of his people. He was taught about how his people came into Egypt and he was taught who he was. His true identity was revealed to him for just a short space of time. Pharaoh's daughter would have gotten another nanny. When the girl came and said, Can I get a maid? A nanny? Pharaoh's daughter said, no, 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 I can get a nanny. But God wanted to ensure that indoctrination was in place. History was impacted. So God said, I will not get an Egyptian to, 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 to win you. I will take you back to your mother. She must win you because when she's winning you, she'll be indoctrinating you. <laughs> this makes us understand that the parents of Moses maximize the little time they have with Moses to teach him and train him in accordance with the instruction in scriptures. Proverbs 22 verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. He have a little time, but they're able to use that little time to put a landmark impact in his life. A lifetime impact in his life. And one of the problems we have in our time today is indoctrination. You see parents mess up their children and then they send the children to Christian University to go and correct them. You don't bend a dry fish, it will break. It will break. One of the things I thank God for is that my parents took me to church as a child. My God always tells me, you, I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was pregnant with you. So I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I began to speak in tongues when I was pregnant. So when the Holy Ghost came upon her, he entered me. From the age of six, there was a, there was something from, from from the womb. There was something about the Holy Ghost with me. At the age of six, I was really crazy about preaching the gospel. My mother told me one of her herself. She fell down and broke her hand, and she called a chief, a small boy of six or five, and about come and pray for this girl. And I came and I laid my hands and prayed for her. The girl got healed. My mother told me, so my mothers don't lie. At the age of 
of six, I will watch my first mentor in life and ministry, my first mentor in ministry, Papa Ayer Sejafo. I used to watch him on, on, te on television then. And when I'm watching him, it, it, my, 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 my elder brothers will go and bring my father's coat when he has got to walk. And then he put his coat on me, and I'll carry a stick, and I'll begin to shout, You don't serve a dead God, you serve a living God. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, he's the same forever. God is on your side. Power is on your side. Glory is on your side. Lift up your hands, shout, yeah, I learned it at the age of six. And it was for him, I learned, come on, lose your paper coat. Come out, lose your paper coat. In the name of Jesus, I learned it at the age of six. When I used to go to church, then my prayers I to church. I used to look at the pastor and I saw him hold the microphone and say, This biscuit, this man is eating. One day I will eat it. For me, it was biscuits. One day I will eat this biscuit. And with the privilege of God's grace, for about over a decade, I've been eating the biscuit. At the age of 11, I went to my, I got admission to my secondary school and I saw there was no school fellowship. I was the first student to, to, to hold the school fellowship. I gathered the whole children, the whole children in school. They filled up the dining hall and I stood preaching to them. I remember there was a fellowship thing that was meant to preach and I was sick. I went with my short sneakers, sick and shivering with malaria, and I still stood on the altar to pray, on the podium to preach with malaria. Train up a child in the way she go. It's no news that I'm doing what I'm doing today because it has been there. And I thank God for all the living the life of my children also. They're also taking in the same path. They're also taking in the same path. Their heroes are men of God. They did this. The little time they had, they were able to eat. They were able to do the needed in his life. I heard that a, a, a Catholic priest once said, give me the first six life of a child's, first six years of a child's life, and I will make him a Catholic for life. And that's what we are lacking today. Training. And that's why having the sense of people we are having today called youths. Training. When you train a child rightly, if I say train of a child individual and when it's only it's, it's not possible for anyone. What the world of God cannot be broken. If it departed, it means you did not train him in the way it's supposed to go. You train him in a way, but not in the way it's supposed to go. Even in the way of God, there is still the way that every child should go. And there's a, there's a way that you train a child in the way of God that he will not depart. Yeah. You can train him in the word of God, in the way of God, but if you're not training him in the way that is to go in the way of God, he will still depart. Yeah. And that's how we as parents we keep asking God to show us the way that each child is to go in the center of God's word. Are we together? Now, so training and teaching children on the things of God at their early age is an act of faith which God honors because it secures their destinies and it secures their future and it secures their greatness. These teachings and training given to Moses by his parents developed his faith, developed his principles, and it developed his practices. Thus, they secured his destiny and greatness. Have you seen what I'm saying? The teachings secured his destiny and greatness. They secured his destiny and greatness. They secured it. The proof of this truth was the decision Moses made. How do we know that a child's destiny and greatness have been secured by the decision the child makes? Are you going to say, what is the decision of the children? 
At the age of 17, when I finished from secondary school, my father retired from um, a good organization. We were not lacking, we were not poor, amen to Jesus. We were stable. He took care of us well. He did a great job for us. Three of us went to private universities. But at the age of 17, after finishing secondary school, I went to meet my father and I said, Daddy, I want to walk. And my father looked at me. He was quiet. In his mind, he was thought, what kind of law, what kind of charge is this? Is this boy normal? Food is in the house. Food is in the house. What is he looking for? And he asked me, what kind of work? I said, I'm a lesson teacher. <laughs> said, lesson teacher, I said, yes. I said, so do you have yes, I'm ready. I think I'm ready to go to the job as a lesson teacher. So go and walk. <laughs> go and walk. Since you are the only child I don't understand the way you are living, go and walk. And I did my first lesson teacher job. I did another one again. I did another one again. When I was preparing for my own level, for my, for my job, I would go for lectures. When I finish lectures, I would go for, for, for outreach. I was the external outreach coordinator of my fellowship faculty. I would go for outreach. After finishing lectures, I go for outreach. I dress well to lectures. They wonder about dressing way. <laughs> After lectures, I go to schools for outreaches. I'm coming to preach. Call your students together. I remember when I was in court. As I said, I was coming to preach. I said, I'm representing Fekka. I'm going to preach. The, the, the headmaster called all the children, the whole school. What I did at 11, I did it again at 17, 18. He called your students. I preached to them powerful. I was preaching from school to school. After lectures, I will go for outreach. After outreach, I go and do church work. Church worker. Seven days a week, I was out of the house doing church, doing fellowship, just like that. Until the beginning. Training. Training. And my father began to watch my decisions. I made that decision. After making that decision, he watched me. At the age of 25, I told my father, Daddy, I told my parents, I called them and I said, Daddy, mommy, that year, then all I was getting that year was, and the Lord said unto Abraham, leave thy father's house and I will bless him. And I called the Daddy, mommy, the Lord said that I should leave your house. And he will bless me. They looked at each other. You are the youngest child, youngest male child. And I am still here, I am still alive, I am still in the city, and you are saying you want to leave my house. And they looked at each other and said, okay, if you say it's the Lord that said it's no problem, there's nothing we can do. My father looked at me, have you, have you paid your house? Yes, I paid my house rent. It's okay. Do you have my dress? I said, yes, I bought my dress. Do you have a fan? No, I don't have a fan, sir. Do you have pot? Yes, I got some pots. So you can take my fan. That fan is still with me. An ancient fan. It's a, it's a historic fan. When the time comes, I'll be showing to my children. He said, take this fan. Go. And I entered into living alone and I suffered. But God proved his word true. That's why this is my second mission. My parents are not afraid when they tell them I'm going to mission. They are not afraid. These guys are taking decisions at a very young age. So what is where? Everywhere is God. He says God tells him, just leave it. God is taking care of him. I've got to hell. We've got to hell and high waters. Our parents are not afraid. Why? Because they did the job at infants, at childhood for us. And we are, our decisions have been shown that they did a good job training us. Same applies to my wife. Praise God forevermore. So the proof of this truth was the decisions Moses made. What are the decisions that Moses made that proved his faith? Hebrews 11 verse 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's something here. I wish I could continue the next verse 25, but we can't. We'll stop here today because today um, yeah, this verse is very loaded. What was the decision that Moses made? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
What does that mean? He refused royalty. He refused security. He refused it. Although we have seen that the teachings Moses received from his parents developed his faith and were instrumental for his decision, the choice was still his to make, which he did. Yeah. Parents have their part to play, but you come to a point of accountability where you have to make your decision. At that point, all the parents are told they were springboard for you to jump. And if you don't jump, you remain grounded. That's why we have a lot of young chaps today who they are grounded, though they have a lot of good springboard under their feet, but yet they are grounded. Why? Because they cannot take the step of faith to jump. Daddy and mommy have done good jobs for you. They have laid good spiritual foundation, academic foundation for you, financial foundation for you. But yet you cannot jump. Why? Because you are too afraid to jump. <laughs> the best your parents can do is to give you the springboard. The decision to jump is not yours, it's yours. Like I always say, the best your parents can do is to give it to anything after that, then you have to trust God for it. That is even my emotion. But I thank God for parents who gave me more than that. They gave me springboard for life. I wrote O level six times, but the sixth time I made it to. I was writing, writing. They got to the before on the after the fourth time. My father called me and said, Chidi, are you still going to write? Otherwise, you are writing, I'll be paying the money. <laughs> My job is to pay the money, your job is to read that. I used to that. I say, yes, that I'm writing. This time I'm writing why can I go? And right here, I collect it too. Why? Because their jobs are to give us what? Springboards. I remember once my father gave me 21,000 naira. That was 10 years ago, if not more than. What was I doing for? To just have my textbooks. Textbooks. 21,000. He can't take it and give it to me. She did not buy. And I entered into the bookshop and I bought doctors' books worth 21,000 naira. The best he did, and he did his best. But after that, it was my job to either jump or remain on the springboard. Child of God, your parents have done their best. It's your job to either jump or remain. Even if your parents did not train you well, at your age, train yourself well. You have the decision, you can't keep blaming your father and your mother. My father and my mother were idol worshippers. They were worshipping idols. They were, they were giving us sacrifice to eat. That is why my life is messed up. And now I'm trying to follow Jesus. It's a lie! It's your indecision to jump that is your problem. They were giving you sacrifice to eat. Did they kill you? Did they kill you? So long as they left your life, they still took care of you. You have a decision to jump or not to jump. Where you are today is as a result of your decision. A wise man once said, where we are today is as a result of decisions made five years ago. I think it was my Bodok. And I added to it, where we will be in five years from now will be as a result of the decisions we make now. It's a decision. Moses had a decision to make, he made it. He chose to jump with a springboard. Some of you say there was no springboard given to me. Create one. He <laughs> said some were born with silver spoons, some were born with gold spoons, some were born with diamonds, some were born with diamonds. You know the best kind of way to be born? To be born without a spoon. If you are born with a silver spoon, to, to metamorphose it, to improve it to a gold spoon is a challenge. Because if you are unknowingly to you, you remain at the silver level. If you are born with a gold spoon, to metamorphose it to a diamond spoon is a challenge. Now, if you are born with a diamond spoon, that is a plenty. Your father's success becomes your success. 
is a limitation. You can never go higher than your father. Your father said to you, but when you are born with no spoon, you are the one who determines the spoon you put in your mouth. Whether it is evil, whether it is God, whether it is that you determine it. And that is the best because why? You become the success for your generations to build on. You become your father's pointer. So some complain there is no spoon in my mouth. You are, you, are, you are giving the best kind of life with that spoon. If you are giving any spoon, it's a limitation to you. <laughs> they said it is not news where the dog bites a man. But because headline where the man bites a dog. What is your problem? I don't want to say that. I can continue with you. Let me go forward. <laughs> uh, why was the decision of Moses an act of faith? Having now, we, we need to understand why it was an act of faith. And this is because of the whole matter. And when, when the Holy Spirit showed this to me, I was excited. Now, having tasted in whole every childhood, he was given two choices in life. That's the uniqueness of his life. People like Moses, the who had the decision, they were given two choices. He tasted in whole childhood with his parents. His parents were not royalty. They were not even maybe the affluential, uh, uh, the, the rich and the affluential, uh, the influential in the society. They didn't have affluence, they were just humble parents. He tasted a humble life in his early childhood with his parents. And later he tasted affluence in his youthful age in the past. You see that? The difference between both kinds of life will be glaring. And he, he definitely did not forget what his childhood was. And now he knows what youthful age is. The difference will be very between those life. Any normal youth will choose the latter because it looks more like a secure future. Is that also? And he will choose the latter. He choose the latter. Ah. See wealth. See money. He was trained in the Egyptian trade. I think you know what I'm saying. When I watched the cartoon, it explains a little more. He was trained how to walk, to be an Egyptian warrior. He was trained how to swim. He was trained in archery. He was also trained in Egyptian magic. Don't forget that. That's why when he came and he brought, and he, he told them to drop your rod. They say, hey, the guy has gone to bring magic. It's not me that taught him the magic. We can do this magic. This is Egyptian magic. Don't you know that this guy is a magician? We trained him in Egyptian magic. He just coming to show us magic. He has come to he has come to bring magic for us. I forgot the name of those two magicians. And he said, "Come on, this is old thing, Moses. We know this magic. We taught you. We taught you. We taught you." Uh, Jambres and uh, I forgot the names. We taught you. And somebody said, okay, but if you think I'm still doing magic, you think 40 years ago, 80 years ago, this is what I'm still doing. I've encountered God. This is not magic, this is really cool. They say, Moses, forget that. And I said, someone tell me, you begin to perform the miracles, they just think it's magic, especially magicians. People that are used to magic think it's magic. <laughs> they cannot imagine everything magic and miracle. I said, Moses, I've encountered your way. This thing is not magic. They say, forget that thing, and we teach you this thing. We'll show you that we're your teachers. A student cannot be better than his master. You remember that in martial art, when the master is teaching his students, there are some things he doesn't teach his students because he knows his students may waste when they want to stand up and want to challenge him. So when the student fights and fights to the point, he now releases one style he didn't teach. So with that style, he defeats his students. See, so we didn't teach you everything. We'll show you that we didn't teach you everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah, throw our own world as a true dialogue. Say the witch tell you, not be snake, if be snake, if be snake, not magic. But he said, okay, we will see whether this is magic or this is miracle. We will see whether it is um, Apollos or Yahweh. 
at the end of the day, the Bible says what? The rod of Aaron did what? Swallowed up their rod. And the rod no increase, it remains size. That means you tell that magic will get weight. Magic will get size. Magic will not increase anyway. And his rod remained the same. He was trained in all the things that look like a future. Are you getting what I'm saying? And every youth will choose the secure future. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are we getting what I'm saying? And this is so because people at their youthful age get into professions, vocations, businesses, jobs, cities, marriages, etc. Because they need what? Security. Remember talking to a family friend and she said, one day, her mother, when she was allowed to get married, her mother asked her, do you love the man? She said she kept quiet. <laughs> she kept quiet. She told the mother, oh, you think so they married for love? We are married for security. <laughs> we are married for security. A lot of people today are married for security, they are married for purpose. They are not married for a good love, they are married for security. Security. Even marriage is done for security. Businesses are done for security. Jobs. Everything. As I tell you, they, when they tell you, they say, when, when, get, when people are getting a job, they tell you, does he have, do they have a retirement plan in the job? Is that not so? Do they have a retirement plan? Do they have insurance packages? These are all security. People get involved in things for security because security is the hope for the future. That's why nobody will follow you until you can secure their future. That's the reason why it takes a woman of faith to follow a man that looks like he doesn't want the future. Yeah. Are you getting what I'm saying? This means that their decisions are determined by how secure their present and future will be. When they embark on the, on, on the pro proposed profession, business, vocation, job, city, etc., it's what? Based on how secure their future will be. This is the normal way of thinking for every young person. I'm not talking about now, I'm talking about even the past. Our parents, they did what was called job security. It's not like now that we don't have job security, but our parents did what was called job security. We used to wonder why our parents will still have one job. And they are not, there is what, they are still having some challenges to make everybody don't complain. They still on the job. Why? Because you know that there's something after the job is called what? Retirement plan. Pension and gratuity. And so they are looking at gratuity, you are looking at present. <laughs> For them, we'll make it with you. We'll make you pass through life somehow. <laughs> The school we can afford, we afford. But by the time of me taking you to school and taking you to university, what about our lives after you are finished school? We are thinking of that. So even our parents were more security conscious. That's why they took secure job. Government job was a secure job. There's a bank in Nigeria that had a, the most powerful secure, uh, security, pension and gratuity plan. So you see that even young people, we graduate from this they are going to join that kind of bank. The bank, they call it old people's bank, but young people were joining it on security. So everybody is security conscious and security oriented. Are you getting what I'm saying? And Moses was definitely not left from this list. He was a young child. So he would have thought of security. Are you getting what I'm saying? He would have thought of security before making a decision. Moses, after thinking of security, what did he do? He chose the former. He chose that humble life of his family that seemingly had no security. Are we together? Which, from human point of view, had no security? Over the latter, which from human point of view had what? Security. This means that Moses threw away his only physical hope of security. He threw away what? His only physical hope of security. He threw it away. Why? Because
because he blindly, I'm holding the word blindly here, he blindly, because from a human point of view, it is a blind decision. He blindly chose God's provision of security, which he never knew what he held for him. Because of that, he threw away his only physical hope of security. For many human people, they will tell you that's a blind and foolish decision. What does the future hold for you in choosing to follow your humble people that are slaves? In Pharaoh's house, Moses, even if you don't become a Pharaoh, you are already in royalty. There are some princes that are not yet killed because their mother is still alive, but they are still royalty. That should have been his lot. Moses, there's a future for you here. But he blindly, foolishly, chose God's provision of security and took away man's provision. By doing this, what did he do? He abandoned and taught his life, destiny, future, and faith in God's hand. Why is he doing this? Because his mother did the same thing to him. She abandoned and dumped this boy. His destiny, his future, his life. She brought to a point where she could not hold him again. She could not secure his destiny. She could not secure his life. She could not secure his future. What did he do? She abandoned this in the hand of God on the river line. That act transmitted something into Moses as a baby. So when he came of age, he took the same step. He abandoned his life, his destiny, his future in the hand of God. What a risk to take. But that was a risk that saved his life. Don't forget. <laughs> uh, at the point of making his choice, he never knew he would save his people. I am today. This is the point where the Holy Ghost was showing me this and I was like, God help us. Today we pray. It's last day we pray crazy. We pray, we pray, pray. This is what this generation is lacking. This is what this generation, this is what youths like me are lacking. I, I, I almost made the same mistake. I met a young man who told me, say, I told him there's a call of God. Like, God wants to use you. He said, Pastor, me, where have you called this before? He said, if it is possible, yes, I know it is possible. He said, but just say God use person like me because I said, ah, you do pass Paul. He said, Pastor. He said, you know, but the problem that I say, even if I want to ask God, God, may I feel make money. As he said it, I kept quiet because that was the same mistake I made. I started with Pastor and I told them, ah, if I started this fire earlier, I should have been a greater fire than I am now. And I should have had more people following the work I'm doing now. So when I talk to young people at the time, I stand and they say, I don't talk. I don't talk for that. I don't talk for that. Why? Because most of the times we analyze things from the other point of view. Now look at this. At the point of making his decision, Moses never knew he would be saving his people. You see, when God calls you initially, some of the time doesn't tell you the whole map of the of the what they call it of the call. He just tells you do this. For people like us, he says, please bear it to completeness. He didn't tell us how to be raising the men. He didn't tell us the precise men to be raising, but just say raise men. So we are in this journey still knowing the nitty gritties. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
Suppose you know that he even save people. Though. Some of us even. There was no promise from God to him. No promise. No promise. No promise. God gave Abraham a promise. God even tried to give Joseph promise by vision, by dreams. But what is no promise at all? No dream, nothing, nothing. Nothing. And the point was, I'm talking about at the point was making this decision. No promise. No word from God to him that we say this people. There was no scriptures for him. No, no scriptures. No scriptures. There was no prophecy for him. But like now that we're all looking for prophecy. What do we call prophesy? What is God saying concerning my life? Prophesy. What do we call prophesy? Prophet. Moses, there was no prophecy. There was no prophecy. All we have today, Moses did not have any. We have scriptures. Scriptures can, 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 can give us pictures of our future. Is that not so? Scriptures give us pictures of our future. Some of us already start telling us what we are going to do. It gives us, maybe even the vision is not very clear, but it gives us a, 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 a broad understanding somehow. And before it begins to read down to the integrity. But Moses never had any of this. Nobody to prophesy for him. It's one of the greatest undoing we have today in the church of Moses, even this prophetic ministry. Because it makes people lazy. They can't take faith decisions. They can't take faith decisions. There was no prophecy. But yet, despite the absence of this, he made his decision. He made what? His decision. He made his decision. He didn't have all these things at his disposal, but he could still dump his life in the hand of God. He could still dump his life in the hand of God. Many of us are looking for, I don't know who I'm speaking to you, we are looking for confirmation and reconfirmation. That what we have been telling you, that what you need now is not a confirmation, what you need is faith. What you need is faith. The Lord will have me tell you, it's time to take steps. Stop looking for confirmations now. He says, you cannot, and I'm not so far. As I was preparing this teaching, I heard, I heard this word from the Lord. Job, for I will catch you. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but this is a straight word from God to you. If jump, fall, I will catch you. God says, I will catch you. won't break your legs. He said, No one jumps and falls into my hand and hits the ground. No, no one. He says, Jump, fall, I will catch you. I will catch you, says the Lord to you. <laughs> what else fueled this kind of decision? What else? What else? What else failed Moses' decision? Simple. It was faith. It was faith. He could not define the faith. He could not explain what was making him gravitate towards his humble life. And you get what I'm saying? He could not explain it. That, see, that it is faith that, that, that makes you gravitate towards some things that people cannot explain. It is faith that propels you to go in a particular direction that people cannot explain. And you get what I'm saying? When the Lord began to tell me noise in my spirit, knocking in my heart, there's a book I'm writing. I've been writing it for about how many years now? Since uh, five years there about. I've read the book about five years about, and I, and I say it's not time to release it yet. And I pray it's going to be a blessing to somebody. The beginning of that book starts off with the call of God on my life. When the God was telling me, it's time to pound. Yeah. The Lord, I had the call of God 
my life at the age of six or about, but Pawnyari, it was later on the Lord began to say, when the Lord began to tell me that I began to knock on my door, on the door of my house. Everything around me was scattering. And I point that I told my I told one of my siblings, I said, God is scattering all my brothers. It was as if I was running crazy. She was looking at me, what's wrong with this? Yo, what's happening to my brother? Is my brother running mad? I told her God is scattering my plans. God is scattering my plans. I have my life well planned out. Two years work in a quality firm, which I did in one year or less than. And then two years work in a marketing organization. And then another two years work in a finance organization. And after that, I started my own establishment. God made me do my plan. Two years of working in an accounting and firm, I did it for one year. Thereabouts, and by the time was up, I just left the office. And what was this guy? I said, I can't stay here, I can't stay here. The, the way I used to take those decisions, they were very crazy. I can't stay there, I'm going. They said, Well, Chief, my other colleagues, okay, now, my other colleagues were employed. My boss was ready to employ me. And I said, I, I didn't even tell him I was I just left like that. I left. I said, There's somewhere else, there's a next place. The next organization I work, God compressed both marketing and finance to me in that, for me, in that organization. When I worked there for about a year, rose to the youngest paid manager in the office in less than a year, and as I rose, I began to see that my, the, the passion in me was going. I needed something to fill my passion. I was wondering, I began to pray, God, what is happening? What was happening? When the time came, and it, I, I stayed in my house, there were people, my colleagues were in the office. I was praying, from the office, I sent them to the I will soon get it. Don't worry, wait for me. <laughs> I was pregnant. The way God hits me big. Suddenly I was in the office one day and I said, No, no, this organization cannot give me the money that God showed me. I said, I'm going up and down. One of my senior colleagues, my, the manager said, I was looking at me and wondering, Is this guy mad? I was walking, I was pissed off, and I know this organization cannot give me. Suddenly, I just sent out my registration and I left. When I was leaving, my boss, my manager, they were looking at me, What is wrong with profit? This guy, we thought he was a, I just left them. So the Lord did my I just let them. I said, God, what is this? The Lord began to frustrate on my plans. God, I want to build business before I establish you. God said, you wait. But you start my own first. And before you know, I began to do the work the Lord told me to do. Something begins to push at the point. And one of my siblings told me, she said, no, you will not do ministry full time. You will get a job part time while you are doing ministry. No, you will be. She has all my decisions time and again. And when she's fighting them and walking away, going to do what the Lord says I should do. <laughs> when this faith is at work, it just see, it just see that some things begin to, 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 to attract you. You begin to gravitate towards some decisions that people can understand why you are going in that direction. The decisions are always the opposite. Of what you will have done to do. But that, that faith propels you in that direction. It was faith that made Moses dump security from the human point of view and took security from God's point of view. I thank God I made this decision over 12, about 12 years ago. Because the places that the Lord has caused my feet to step upon, the people that the Lord has made me to bless, if I had stayed in my own decision, I would have not been a blessing to them. Yeah. 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 I would have not been a blessing to them. I don't know what I'm speaking to today, but it's time for you to dump your life, your destiny, your future, 
It's time for you to do and abandon it in the hand of God. Nothing kept in his hand dies. He's able to save to the uttermost. As a pastor, a man of God once said, God cannot mismanage your destiny. For some of you, it's a particular business decision you are trying to make, and it looks like that's where your future lies. But the Lord is saying, this is not that decision, it's another decision. That one does not look like the future, but that is the future. For some of you, it's a marital decision. One looks like the future, the other one does not look like the future. But the Lord is saying, the one that you are saying is not the future, that actually looks like the future. For some of you, it's a call of God in your life. And you have been looking at the economy and say, how can I say I am now doing ministry with this economy? <laughs> but don't forget that my God supplies your needs according to riches, not according to economy. According to riches in glory. The riches of God is called His glory. And the Lord told me to do ministry, I said, God, I don't like to beg. I don't like, I, 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 I like to have finances in supply. I said, so God, how are you going to provide for me? And the Lord showed me when I sent them without pause or script, lacking anything. I read Bishop David David Oedipo's book, Exploits Ministry. And I was like, okay, God, I believe this is what you're saying to me. The point is that the Lord showed me a vision of some funds that He sent my way. And the dream is all the big funds. And I'm doing my scripture when I could that and see. See what the Lord showed me. He said, did that thing you saw is the hand of the supernatural bringing to you. He said, it's only the supernatural bringing to you. After a while, I started bleeding God for that finances, that finances. And then, I said, God, let me tell you the truth. As I am, if you give me that kind of money, I cannot manage it. So God, what is the means you use to sustain me till that time comes? See, some of us need to know how to talk with God. God is not a, what do I call it now? He's not a tax master, a wicked, stone cold man. No. God wants you to talk with him. And I say, God, what we used to sustain the thing that dream you show me, that vision comes to pass. And the Lord told me, see the thing here, see the sustenance. I said, wow. Yet, although the Lord showed me the sustenance, I kept fighting the sustenance until I had to submit by force. But I'm telling you something, I don't know what to get to. It's time to abandon and dump your life your destiny, your future, in the hands of God. That is the greatest operation of faith a man can have. It's time to take decisions by faith, not by sight. And I tell you something, God loves and honors this kind of faith, and he desires his children to display it every day. Every day. He wants us to display it every day. This was what made Moses to be enlisted. The first thing that made him to be enlisted among the people. Not that he wanted the Red Sea. No. Not that he led three, three million people. No. That's not the first thing that drew his name into the what? List of the heroes of faith. Go and read Hebrews chapter 11. But the first was the first thing that was spoken about Moses when he has to do with him. The other one was about what his parents did for him. But this is about him. 
This is the first thing that enlists you in the use of faith. This is the first thing that makes the perfect work that Jesus did for you in the realms of the spirit manifest in your life physically. Child of God, you cannot manage your destiny. You cannot secure your future. If you must enjoy the perfection of Jesus in your daily life, you must learn to abandon your destiny in his hands. God almost made you do this. And as we are closing this morning, this is the best decision you can make. The songwriter says, Lord, I offer to you everything I've been through. Use it for your glory. Lord, I offer my days to you. Lifting my praise to you. As a pleasing sacrifice, Lord, I offer you my life. He says, all that I am, all that I am, everything I am, I give all to you. All my mistakes, all my regrets, the joy and the pain, I'm making them yours. Lord, I offer my life to you, everything I've been through, use it for Abandon. To abandon and dump my life. And dump my life. 
destiny, destiny, future, future and faith in your hands. In, your hands. in Jesus' name. Go ahead and pray that prayer with all your heart. Says, 
stay in the place of worship. Because when we, our hands are lifted up, there are signs of surrender in the place of worship. The Lord says you have been trying to use your faith, and that's why it looks like everything is getting frustrated. He says, worship me. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands, says the Spirit of the Lord. He says, as you stretch what your hands up, in the place of what he says, I really understand what you are trying to communicate. He says, I will carry you. He says, I will carry you. I will carry you. And I will put you in the place that you are meant to be. He says, it shall be by my own hands. I will, I will carry you. The people will not be able to understand how you move from where you are to where he has taken you to. Says the Spirit of the Lord. And he come about. He attained that the Lord may have been said to somebody, not by power, not by
He says, I will move you by the dynamics of my spirit. And I will make you make decisions that will make your Moses stay on the same land that killed other children. But it will take your Moses to prosperity. Says the Spirit of God. Says the Spirit of God. Says the Spirit of God. The Bible says, says that this is a decision making moment for 20 people under the sound of my voice. It's a decision making moment. But you know what? The Lord says, for you to make my decision, remove your eyes from the environment. Hear this very well. I'm going to discover that. Then take about water. But if somebody you are about to, you, are, you, are, you want to buy a property, and the money you account is if you invest in my way compared to the price of that property. The Lord says, I should tell you, remove your eyes from your account. That's what the Lord says. He says, remove your eyes from your account. Say, now look at me. Look up to me. You know, I said they looked up to him and their faces were lighter and they were not ashamed. And the Lord says, I should tell you, go and negotiate for that property. He says, leave the rest to me. Timan Sikata, Sumarata, Sata. The Lord says, decision making moments. The Lord says, remove your eyes from what is happening around you. Remove your eyes from every physical thing, every prospect around you. He says, focus your eyes on me. For some of you, the Lord says, just invest time into the study of the word and prayers. Just take, take, just take time. Some of you, maybe in three minutes, in, some of you in 30 minutes, some of you in three hours, some of you in 24 hours, some of you in three, 32 hours, it, it may differ, but just stay until your spirit man catches the instruction for the right decision. That's what God says. He says, stay until your spirit man catches it. We say, when your spirit man catches it, you will know. There will be a rejoicing from the inside to outside. Say, but stay in my presence. He said, your spirit man will catch it and to complicate it to your mind. And your mind will know it by a joy and rejoicing. He said, as you implement that decision, boom, things will change for the good, says the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for everybody who's sick in their body, who needs a miracle, needs breakthrough signs. I want to pray for you briefly, quickly, and then I'll pray the final prayer for us. Lord, I pray for every person sick in their body who needs healing. I cause sicknesses to their roots, pains, discomfort, malaria, typhoid, fever, whatever, every kind of sickness, every virus, every infirmity, every spirit of infirmity I cast you out. Swellings, fibroids, ash, tumors, cancers, leukemia, hormonal imbalances, moving field in the brain that is not meant to be moving. Mental challenges. I cost you to the root man in the name of Jesus. I decree he lives. I decree he lives. Because for somebody who's been having a narrow pain for the past three weeks, the pain is excruciating. It looks as if they are pulling your intestine from your navel. But the power of God is hitting your navel now. And that the closer pain is dealt with and killed now. Check yourself. The pain is gone. Says the Spirit of God. Creating miracles are happening. Blind eyes opening. Deaf ears opening. Dumb tongues loosening. Mute mouths opening. Miracles are happening everywhere. I release the healing power of Jesus. I release the miracle working power of Jesus. Into the atmosphere now. Heal and deliver in the name of Jesus. Those believing God for fruit of the womb, it is your season. It is according to the time of life. You shall hear the cry of babies as you want in your house. 
in the name of Jesus. Don't believe God for breakthroughs, for job openings, for business breakthroughs. Receive it now in the name of Jesus. I, my name is Sonama. I cause a spirit of limitation. I see somebody who just ties to a, to, a, to a point. It's a spirit of limitation. I cause that spirit now in the name of Jesus. I decree liberation and deliverance. Beings are walking out of people. Things are falling out of people. Objects are falling out of people. Preachers are coming out of people. I decree deliverance and healings in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every one of us. We receive the grace to abandon and dump our lives, our destinies, and our futures, and our faith in your hands. And we rest assured that you cannot mismanage it. Thank you for the outpouring of that grace, and thank you for we receive it by faith. In Jesus' name.